It is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day. Good show coming up. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, joins me here in just a few minutes to talk about recent piece he had, recent column on uh, on Chris Finch, the Timberwolves, the state of coaching in the NBA, and things that he feels that uh, that Chris Finch needs to improve on, and kind of the kind of the lay of the land for Finch going into a pretty important not only off season but 2023-24 season for the Wolves and their head coach. So we'll get into that. We'll get into some what I feel like is more second guessing lately of Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, and uh, and get to little Vikings uh, NFL stuff at the end. Um, first though, what did I miss? Sorry, I'm not going to be much of a ray of sunshine today because it was not a good night in Twin City sports. Twins lost again. I'm going to start there, but before I get to it, um, Lynx coughed up a 19-point lead, lost to Atlanta 83-77, outscored, I believe, 24-10 to in the fourth quarter of that game to lose. Um, second loss for them at the start of the year. Rough beginning for a team that you know has a lot of growing pains to go through this year and, and, and is experiencing them early on. Minnesota United routed in the U.S. Open Cup 4-0 by Houston. And oh, by the way, the Vikings, um, three of their best players are not at voluntary workouts, uh, OTAs, and you know, varying degrees of alarm, varying different reasons why they aren't there. But I'll touch on that at the end of the show as well. So not a great day in Minnesota sports. I'll get to the kind of the three games that happened here right now, including the Twins. Losing for the sixth time in eight games, all of them against these California teams that we thought would test them to a certain degree. Although, you know, you look at it, the Dodgers certainly were were going to be a test, and the, and the Twins managed to win one of those games. Were competitive in that series. Felt like they were still playing pretty good baseball, but then it kind of unraveled against the Angels. Lost two of three, and now two straight losses at home to a pretty mediocre Giants team. And the one the way it happened on Tuesday was particularly disappointing. Have a 3 nothing lead, and then they just can't get the ball over the plate. Sonny Gray unravels, you know, walks a couple batters. There's a, you know, there's uh, two other relievers. They walk in runs. All of a sudden, it's 3-2, and then a home run in the seventh does the in. It's a 4-3 loss. And so, you know, some of that is pitching. Some of that is still that they didn't extend the lead on offense. Still just three runs in this game. And you just look at it right now. And, you know, Chip and I will get into the kind of the second guessing that's been going on and the discomfort or disgruntledness with some of Rocco Baldelli's decisions. But, you know, right now you just look at this roster and, you know, on any given night, Rocco might be saying, you know, that they're not getting it done at the plate like he did the other night. He might be saying they're, they're not, you know, executing pitches at the right time, which he was saying last night. And I just, you know, I felt a lot better about this team three weeks ago than I do right now. You know, they're still... In first place in the terrible American League Central, I think we've seen enough of this division to say they're terrible. Uh, the Twins are one game short of their 50th game now coming up, 25 and 24. The only team in the division over 500, still two and a half games up in the division. Haven't lost much ground, even as they've been playing poorly. But if you just look at the big picture of the American League, they have the ninth best record in the American League. 
even though they have the best record in the American League Central. All five teams in the American League East, better than the Twins right now, and and three teams in the AL West, the Rangers, Astros, and Angels, have better records than the Twins right now, too. That's you know That kind of tells you, gives you the lay of the land with a more balanced schedule right now. The Twins are very much a mediocre team in the big picture of the American League or have been playing like a mediocre team in the American League's in the American League overall, even if they are leading this weak division. So they need to play better. That is not a news flash. They need to play better. They just need to start executing pitches, having better at bats, the things you need to do to win games, the things they were doing largely earlier in the season, um, especially the pitching. That's starting to falter lately and they haven't been able to counterbalance that usually with more hitting. And that was my fear early in the year was that the pitching would regress a little bit and the hitting might not cover it. Still hope for this team, obviously. You know, they're still in first place, but I don't feel I don't feel as good about this team as I did a little while ago. And that's that's concerning going forward. Now the the loons kind of seem like they ran out of gas in the uh, in the open cup. And maybe that happened to the Lynx too in this game, playing a lot of young players, you know, not maybe not quite sure how to handle success, but the Loons had made a nice run in the open cup. That goes uh, up in flames with the four nothing loss to Houston. While uh, while the Lynx, my goodness, when you lead by 19, you'd like to think you may be able to lock that down, but their offense just went nowhere towards the end. Nafisa Collier ends up fouling out and just, you know, a tough start. They're 0-2, both of those losses at home. Some adjustments to make along the way, and they've had some slow starts in recent years and been able to rebound from them to play better. So I'm not saying all hope is lost here because they've lost two games at the start of the year, but what we thought of this team at the beginning of the year, which was you know a young team trying to find its way, has proven to be the case so far. And you know another thing I said at the beginning of the beginning of the year though is wouldn't be the worst year in the world to kind of take your lumps because that 2024 draft is going to be absolutely loaded. You know players like Paige Beckers, players like Caitlin Clark. But like I talked about with Marnie Gellner on uh, on Tuesday's show, you do not want to wish time away. You'd like to see them play better, get something out of this season. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they will do that in whatever way, shape, or form that takes. But right now, does not look pretty on the court for the Lynx. And we'll see if it gets any better as the year goes on. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Chip Scoggins right now, Star Tribune columnist, had Interesting piece the other day that I want to get into about Chris Finch. Also, maybe talk a little bit of Twins and Rocco Baldelli. Maybe it's maybe it's coaches and managers day uh, on <laughs> on daily delivery to, with you, Chip. And maybe an NFL subject I want to get to as well. But uh, first off, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mikey. Absolutely appreciate it as always. Um, the the column I'm referencing was uh, just a few days ago about Chris Finch and the Timberwolves and kind of a about the offseason landscape with the NBA and all these coaches that are being let go, all these high profile coaches like Doc Rivers, you know, Nick Nurse, like guys who have won championships, guys who have yeah. been been at the top. Um, and there's more than just those two, but a lot of guys have been you know, Mike Budenholders, like guys who have been been, you know, 
winning championships yeah. in the last three to five years are out of jobs. Chris Finch, at a different point, I think in the evolution of the Timberwolves, like they're not they're not good enough to fire Chris Finch yet, is kind of how yeah. I would put yeah. it. But but an interesting kind of examination of kind of you know what what he needs to do to kind of take another step forward, kind of where his status sits, how the Wolves like him right now, and you know wouldn't be in the spot to maybe make a a move like that, but you know, kind of talk me through your your process and what you you wanted to to make the points you wanted to make by writing about it, that. Yeah, I thought it was kind of inner inner interesting intersection when you have you know Boonholzer and Doc Rivers and Monty Williams and these big name coaches who have had you know some championships, but also a lot of regular season success. That uh, and, and I'm sure in those markets they would say. A lot of fans would say they're justified because they they fell short of you know expectations. And um, if you compare that to what's going on with the, the Timberwolves, who had big expectations uh, and fell short, but I think for different reasons. And I agree. I, my my premise was that, that I wouldn't have fired him this year. And Tim Conley really likes Chris Finch, so this, yeah. you know I, I think as long as Conley's here, he's probably safe for the short term. But. Um, but it was a weird year for them. And I, and I my point was, if this doesn't improve dramatically next year or significantly, are we still going to have this same level of patience? Um, I don't know. Maybe if Tim Conley is here, he will. But uh, to me, there's – I don't know if you'd call them red flags, but things that he needs to improve on. Yes. Chris Finch. The late-game offense was atrocious. I mean, they ranked 25th in offensive rating – in, in clutch situations, which is five minutes ago, uh, the scoring margins within five points. I mean, 25th in that. Um, for a guy who came here as, you know, a noted offensive guru, um, you know, I think the, the, he, and he uses it multiple times. He used it at the end of this word at the end of last uh, playoff series. And again, this year, the immaturity of his team. Yeah. Well, some of that's on the coach, right? I mean, we can't keep saying this team's immature because they're they're not young, they're not inexperienced. Um, you know, you have Rudy Gobert throwing a punch, and Jay McDaniel's breaking his hand throwing a punch, and um, so there's just it just I, I didn't think it was um, you know there are reasons why this team underperformed. Towns's injury, um, the injuries in the in the playoffs, not you know being shorthanded there, but. I just this can't be a blanket excuse for why this team uh played the way it did and was so all over. You know, you know, the the no shows against the really bad teams, the tanking teams, they were of the 20 teams that made the postseason, they were the only one that had a losing record against losing teams. Yeah. Now, do you fault the players for that for not getting up? Do they don't they don't need a fire and brimstone speech to get to get motivated? But at some point, you're the coach, you're accountable for how your team plays. Yeah, I mean, even even with professionals, even with the level of money these guys are making and the self motivation, like you do, still I think take on a certain personality or take emotional cues from your head coach. And I think Finch is a fairly even keel guy, so maybe he expects that to kind of flow down from him and doesn't want to have to do more to raise the maturity level or or raise. You know, I think maturity speaks to a number of things like those kind of emotional outbursts, but also the, like you said, the inability to beat those lesser teams, which really cost them in the end of the year. I mean, they could have been easily, you know, a four or a five seed had they performed better. 
Yeah, think and, about if they win three of those games. Yes, you're in a better. The, you're not playing the Nuggets against the <laughs> against the very worst of the NBA. Not just talking about like ah, uh, they dropped one to a you know a team that was a little bit below them in the standings. Like the very worst teams, they lost to them routinely this year. They you know, yeah. Charlotte and Detroit, like just really hideous losses. And the other thing that I think you picked at that was right was, and and I want to know from you what you think about this. Like the the Gobert Towns pairing looked clunky we've used that word a lot looked disjointed yeah. for for a lot of the year and then the injury to towns for 50 plus games in the middle of the year certainly was a factor but even before that and even after that there was this kind of notion when they made the go bear trade and i think it was even at the go bear news conference after they got him where it was like ah finchie will figure it out kind of stuff like he, he's got the secret sauce he can he can figure out how these two guys work together offensively and when they were on the floor together they had the worst they would they had a, like a lower offensive rating than any team in the league, like for yeah. for a full season. Like that that to me was just a point. Like they they seem to have a certain amount of trust that Chris Finch could figure out, could unlock that duo and have things flow around them offensively that just didn't happen. And that to me is the bigger key for this next season. If 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 both those guys are still on the roster, and I think that's still an if, can he unlock that? Because he's he's been tasked with that and he did not succeed with that last year. Well, no, and and maybe the challenge is <clears throat> we all knew it was going to be difficult, but it, it, you know, part of it was I don't know if they know what they want to be. And and Finch even said at the at his uh, seasoning in the press conference, I think he the, his phrase was he was never comfortable with his offense all year. Yeah, and part of it was you had D'Angelo Russell running your point guard for what sixty percent of the season, seventy percent yeah. of the season. So that you know. You, you know, you had that complication. Ant was coming into his own and and becoming. Once Towns was out, he was becoming the guy, the focal point. Then you incorporate Towns back in it, and you're trying to figure out these two bigs. So, this is important off offseason for Chris Finch to figure out. Okay, how is this going to work? Yeah, you know, and the early returns were not good. The late returns, you know, he's a lot smarter basketball guy than either of us. But I just don't know that the two big lineups going to work. No, I still have, you know, and kudos to him. If he can figure it out in a way that it's not clunky, but you're still, uh, everything's flowing through Anthony Edwards. How do you make that work? Mike, I I, I don't, I don't know what he's going to come back with at training camp. That's going to be the magic answer for making those, the two big no. lineup work. I, I don't No, I don't either, but that's, Kind of on him, but you know the the flip side of this is Connolly came from a place Denver that is now in the Western. You know now is in the NBA yeah. Finals after sweeping the Lakers, and they had plenty of years where you know they were either kind of building and then losing in the playoffs, and it wasn't you weren't quite sure like is this really are they really building like a a championship style roster or are they just building like a good regular season roster that they're going to lose right away. And they got, they were patient. They, you know, they, they, they stuck with Murray Jokic. They got Gordon a few years ago and they, they drafted uh, Michael Porter jr. And he, he ascended, they gave him the max contract. People are like, Oh really? Michael Porter jr. He's hurt a lot, but then he's, yeah he's been healthy. Like the, the patience model over there and sticking with Malone as the head coach like that, that works. So I, I I'm, I'm imagining Connolly looks at that and says, you know, we we have to be patient here. We can't just keep tearing things up and restarting. Which is, you know, don't just fire the coach when you don't think it's quite right. Don't just trade towns yeah. because you don't think the fit is quite right. That said, 
the money's going to get complicated soon. Like, I still well, think that the trade of towns makes sense, but it, this is all kind of assuming that things are status quo. Things have to get better because I don't know if they trusted, if they put too much on Finch's plate to solve this and gave him an unsolvable problem, or if he didn't do enough to get the most out of that lineup. Well, I there is part of me that says, you know, there's been so much turnover and turmoil and upheaval throughout towns' time here. You know, whether it's coaching, front offices, offenses, you know, personnel, that stability is fine. But when you talk about the the Nuggets and their patience, they have a generational player. Yes. <laughs> if you give if you give me Joker, that solves a lot of problems. And one uh, who, by he, the way, like five years ago, we were kind of comparing Towns and Jokic and kind of wondering, <laughs> like, okay, these are like, who, which one of these two is better? You know, one A, one B. Uh, you know, all NBA. Who should be on the team? And I think we know whose game has yeah. grown in the last five years. Mike, when you watch him, we saw it in the, in the series here, but just watch him through these playoffs, and he makes everyone better. I yeah. mean, he is a generational talent. Just, you know, he should win the MVP this year. I mean, he's that, you know, I just think he's that terrific. So that solves a lot of problems, you know, when you have yes. him. Uh, but I, I, But to the – this is the million dollar question. At what point do you become impatient? Yes. With, with, with towns as, as your, your, cause he is a, you know, Anthony Edwards is your guy. He's your one now. Yeah. But you're still viewing towns as a foundational piece. Yes. And you, you mentioned the money. If you stay the course, Mike, how are you going to pay Anthony Edwards towns? Jane McDaniels is going to need a pretty sizable contract and go bear. How, how does that work? Well, exactly. And, you know, not just how are you going to pay it, but the new CBA, you know, makes it really hard to be in the luxury tax, not just because of how punitive it is money wise, but they really hit you hard in terms of how you can build your the rest of your roster, like the, yeah. you know, the, the Golden State model where they've just kind of said the heck with it. We're going to pay everybody and we're just going to keep going like this because we're making tons of money and it's, it's worth it to us um, even to be in the tax. Um you know, even if the Wolves wanted to do that, there are going to be more penalties in how do you build that. So how do you how do you envision a roster where right where Ant's going to be getting a max, Towns is going to be on the super max starting in the 24-25 season, Gobert's still making big money. McDaniels, I figure, has got to be getting about 25 million a year. Like sure. that's going to eat up a huge chunk of your salary yeah. cap and really make it hard to build out the rest of your roster with those invaluable kind of five to eight million dollar players well it is and you look at what the miami heat are doing now and it, you know if you're not a diehard nba fan you look at the the heat's roster you would wonder who these guys are you know jimmy I mean, butler they, they, bam and a whole bunch of yeah <laughs> guys that weren't drafted you know but yeah. that was is that you know that's one uh, you know, scouting and, and, but also they got a really great coach and uh, Sepulstra, but um, yeah. So I, I, I do wonder how much is the finance is going to dictate uh, that they have to look to move some of these pieces. Cause I just don't think it's all going to fit and be able to build out a roster with, as we've seen, you've got to have core guys that, that fill roles. I mean, you just absolutely have to have it if you're going to be a legitimate championship team. Yeah, and they're going to need a point guard at some point here because I think Conley, well, was, it, yeah. Conley was a nice fit last year and he's got another year left on his deal, but he's not getting any younger and he's not cheap. Like it, some, Something's got to give at some point, but the, the bigger kind of the bigger takeaway here is as much as this is a big year 
big off season for the organization. It's a pretty big year, I think, like you said, for Finch next year because it, if if you don't grow from these last two years, and they've made the playoffs twice in a row, they hadn't done that for twenty years since you know Flip Saunders had yeah. KG. So he's he's accomplished some things, and he's brought a level. Uh, he's brought them to a certain level. If you don't go beyond that, then the impatience probably starts. In, in well, that's it. And and this was when you look at this roster. This was not a rebuilding roster, retooling. This is a roster that's built to win right now. I mean, yeah. when they made that go bear trade and you mortgage your future, you're not doing that to say, "Yeah, let's just kind of grow." No, you're doing to say, "Let's be in you know a, a legitimate team in the playoffs." Well, if you're, it's great to get in the playoffs, but if you're getting bounced in five games every year, then what are you really accomplishing? <laughs> you yeah. know, so and that's why I think this is, I, you know, it. Conley probably has a totally different perspective than me, but but I, I can tell you, if this team does not make a substantial step forward next year, the grumbling is going to be pretty loud with the head coach, and yeah. it feels it feels like an inflection point for him this season coming up. And it does. And what's interesting before we move on to Baldelli is this is not the coach that Conley hired. He just really likes him. He's worked with him before, but this was a Rosas hire before Rosas left. Yeah. Um. So you know the fact that he has that level of support from him is maybe a little bit unusual in how those relationships and kind of how that power dynamic usually works. But I agree. This is a, this is a massive off season and a massive season coming up for the trajectory of this franchise. Are they going to kind of get stuck in the mud here of, you know, better than it has been for a long time, but still not where they want to be, or do they take a significant step forward? And I, you know, to a degree, I feel like maybe the twins are, Maybe not in a, not in the identical spot, but we we talk about you know the first two years of Rocco Baldelli winning division titles, 2019, like everything went right that year. It was the Bomba yeah. Squad? They won 101 games. The next season, of course, was COVID. They only played 60 games, but they were a good team again. They won 36. They won the division. Then they fall off in 21. They fall off at the end of 22, and then this year they look like they are probably the best team in a really bad division but i've sensed some of some more of the baldelli grumbling some of the some of the things that got familiar especially last year with the bullpen usage with you know some of the substitution things some of that i just i get the sense that people fans maybe not certainly not the twins because i think i saw a report that they picked up his option for 25 like i don't think the twins are upset with baldelli i think internally they like him the public the public, though, has some questions about, and I think they're getting louder right now this year because there there weren't there weren't a lot of games in the beginning of the year where you were questioning a lot of strategy. It was just like they're not hitting, and now it's like there's yeah. these, these games that have broken a certain way. Yeah, I mean, last night, um, you know, taking Kirilov out of that lineup uh, against uh, San Francisco, I mean that that set Twitter ablaze. And, and you know, I I always wonder how much credence to put in comments and social media but it's people chatting i mean it's it's you know it's people who follow your team uh are weighing in and you're right um i think there's just a level of frustration um with not only rocco but also the falvey regime yeah and bullpen you see it implode and um the way they're this offense is that they just cannot score runs um the strikeouts i think they lead what the league in strikeouts how much of that is, you know, the front office and how much is that is Baldelli? But yeah, I think he, uh, I think fans are growing restless, even though they're in first place. Uh, I know it's weird. Thank God they're in that division because that division is horrible. Yeah. It is terrible. Yeah. And, and, uh, and their starting pitching is really good. And that's where you can point to the front office and say, yeah, 
you might not have loved how they got all these pitchers that they had to give up Luis Arise to get Pablo Lopez, but that starting five, um, you know, even with having to dip down and get Bailey Ober, who had a rough mm-hmm. inning Monday, but has been really yeah. good this year, and Louis Varlin's been quite good. Like that one, two, three of of Lopez, uh, Sonny Gray, and uh, and Joe Ryan's been awfully good. And you know, the yeah. four or five since they've since they've made that change, like that's carrying them, and that's a lot of what they've developed. Yeah, and it, you know, part of this is I don't know. There's an maybe offensive coordinator in, in NFL is uh, on par with baseball managing in terms of the second guessing. Yeah, it seems like those two positions probably get second guess more than any in sports, or, right? Or defensive coordinator here last year, or, or, or defense. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a rare one. When, yeah. when do you when do you ever usually hear a defensive coordinator yeah. get second guess? That was a new one last year. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, normally it's the offensive guy because yes. we can all call better plays. But I think baseball manager and offense coordinator in NFL are the two that get second uh, the two positions that get second guess more. But it it does. I agree with your premise that there is a little bit more. Percolating in terms yeah, of the, just, the frustration. Yeah. I've just noticed the last few, it's just like, God, why'd they throw Emilio Pagan? Oh man, Griffin yeah. Jacks again. Like some of it's like, well, who else? Like Joan Duran can't pitch 180 innings out of the bullpen. Well, that's they, uh, I think when you have three or four things in a row that backfire. Yeah. And that's what it's been. You've had you, the, you know, Pagan inning, um, you know, the start of what happened Monday night. Uh, with San Francisco. Um, so I think there's been maybe three or four decisions here that haven't gotten Rocco's way. And so, but you know what? I think this, it, it, the whole thing goes back to Mike, huh. that, that post game losing streak. Yeah, that's the it. Post-season, it's, it's, I mean, the postseason true. losing streak. I mean, I think, I think twins fans because of that losing streak are ready to, they're just, uh, they're on edge with everything that's going on with this team. And yes. anything goes wrong, it 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 unleashes the frustration. Yes, because you get the you and get rightfully the fo- so. Well, because you get so because you get the folks that are like, "Hey, even though I like this team, uh, what are they going to do in the playoffs?" Well, uh, exactly. And which then, is a hard way. Which is a hard way to. I mean, I understand it completely, but eighteen straight playoff losses. I mean, geez. I understand. I understand. Yeah, that's. I mean, still, that's remarkable. We don't talk about it enough. We no, that's remarkable. It. <laughs> it's, it's a. It's a. North American professional sports record. <laughs> yes. that's, that's how remarkable but, it is. But I, but I do think, man, that's a long way to watch a baseball season. If you're, you know, yeah. if you're just like you can't enjoy the season because you know, that's true. You know, yeah, it's 162 games. 162 of that games. Just anxiety. Get, yeah, it's exactly. Like, and like, even if you're enjoying it, like in the back of your mind, if you're watching it through the lens of in the back of your mind, you're like, this is all going to go to hell again. Then it's just, not, <laughs> is right. it worth it? <laughs> That's right. If you if all you see is out of one eye of the game and the other see right. other eye, the sh- you waiting for the shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be curious just to kind of see how that plays out. The division's not good, but I, I do think that Cleveland could play better. Chicago still has a roster that could, that could catch fire. Like I think the Twins, you're going to see, you might see at some point them regretting not you know not putting the the foot on the gas a little bit more and not being up seven here instead of three, you know, yeah. getting them. They got well, a field goal right now instead of a touchdown. It has a feel, but how it, it feels like, yeah, I will, I'll say this. Mike, do we have any level of confidence? This, this line's going to start hitting. I mean, we said it from the beginning, like this was going to be the one question mark and it's, it's, you know, it's proven to be true that they just can't score. Putting an awful lot of faith in a guy who has torn his ACL twice and really hasn't <laughs> done much. Royce Lewis is being, 
really deemed, you know, he should be here probably in about a week, I would think. Like June 1st, right? Yeah, people yeah. are saying, you know, wait for Royce Lewis. And that's, you know, that's an awful lot to put on him. Because I think before that, it was wait for Kirilov. And Kirilov has really helped. Um, but yeah. they but, need other help, too. And maybe Correa's getting going a little bit. Buxton looks like maybe he avoided the worst of that injury scare and just needed that day off. We'll see. But, but I've, he's got not playing single field. Hit, I've got faith they can hit a little bit better. But their offense has been to all or nothing and that's because feast or famine yeah yeah it's, it's way like too, yeah. not just home run versus strikeout but some games with 11 and a lot of games with one or two yeah yeah it's it's, it's definitely got the feast or famine quality to it and you have to think Correa is going to start hitting it some yeah and he's right? been better a little bit better lately he's been better lately but um but you're still going to have holes in that that like yes. you know we've talked about it ad nauseum but if Buxton doesn't play center field you're you know we saw it last, you know, Monday night with Taylor. I think he had three yeah. strikeouts in a double play, right? Yeah. Really quick at the end here, I was kind of not surprised because I know how TV and money rules everything, especially in the NFL. But allowing them the possibility to flex a Thursday night game into a Sunday and vice versa, even with twenty-eight days notice, like that would bother me quite a bit as a fan because <laughs> yeah. you you make your plans kind of further a lot of times than 28 days out, especially if you're going to travel somewhere to see a game. Yeah. Like This might cause people who are planning to go to a game to miss a game. And I guess they feel like the trade-off is you're going to get a better TV game for the millions of people who watch. Well, that's but what it is. That's, yeah. I don't know. That, that one's, it didn't shock me because I know the way the league works, but that's, it doesn't feel very fan friendly. They are, no, they don't care. They don't care. They, they are tired of the narrative of the Thursday night games or clunkers. Talk about, yeah, you know, Two, two, two uh, groups of people that it's going to annoy to no end. Fans of the team that's you know gets moved, and the players. The yeah, that's get moved. Well, because now they can play two Thursday games, which they hate. But guess what? It's not going to annoy the fans that are going to get a better matchup on a Thursday night potentially. Yeah. Um, than the clunkers that we see sometimes, and so it you know, if there's money to be made and something that's going to help the product and increase revenue, the NFL is always going to do it. They don't care what you know what the byproduct is so um the good news is you know a team can only be on the road twice or yeah. can't be on the road twice can only, and they can only play the right. games there's night twice but i agree with you that we see it so much now mike when when you go on the road and it's not just vikings fans it's when they you know when uh teams come here fans travel in the nfl yeah it's become do. like a big part of the fan experience is to go see new stadiums or go you know to do that. And so um, I would be real cautious in that. Was it week 13 to 17 that yeah. they can do those games? Cause you may buy that ticket well in advance for a Sunday game. And Oh, by the way, can you, can you go on Wednesday night <laughs> or, yeah. or, or vice <laughs> versa? Like you might buy a ticket for, for a Thursday night game and then all of a sudden it's on a Sunday. And it's, well, that's, yeah. I mean, can you travel Thursday and miss work and right. travel back, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how many people that would affect, but it's going to affect some, it's going to affect I some mean, people and it's, yeah. And but the, but it's the weird thing too is like how do you even know a month in advance that you want to flex a game? Like I don't even know if they're going to wind up doing this. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm guessing it's going to be used less than we probably think. Yeah, because as we know, a lot can change in a month in the NFL. Yeah, game that you, team that you might think's hot or whatever, right. all of a sudden loses three straight. Now you're you know you flex the into a dud, and there you go. The game is not as attractive as you thought it was going to be. So I I you know I had my you know. I won't be surprised if it's not used as as much as you know, but it, it will be used because if they 
if it's clear that they have a dud on the, you know, on the schedule late in the season, they're going to flex out of that thing. Yeah. But the NFL remains King. Um, I'm writing about <laughs> this a little bit for, I think later this week or next week, just kind of, you know, their, their piece of this whole TV puzzle. And the one thing that they've got going for them, I mean, well, many things they have going for them, but they yeah. don't, they're not reliant at all on regional sports networks. Everything for yeah. them is yeah. national TV contracts. It's split up between everybody. It's, it's fair. And their only thing right now is trying to figure out how to slice and dice these into even smaller sub packages like Peacock and things like that, where they're well, getting even more money out of this and, and and driving people to different places, which might drive people crazy. But it's it's kind of the way of the future. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, you know, they're gonna they're gonna stream the one wild card game, correct, yeah. on Peacock, and we all grumbled and oh my gosh, and guess what? People are gonna find it and they're gonna pay for it because yep. it's. Well, they know we're suckers. They yep. know they know fans will find it and want to pay for it to watch it. I mean, they yep. just, it's 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 you you said it right. They're king, and they yeah. can they can they're going to lead the way in how this works, right? Because yeah. I don't know if other sports will be able to do it in a way because it doesn't have the popularity of, of the NFL. Well, the inventory in the NFL is so limited too, so every game That's feels it, a little yeah. bit more special. Like you split up a hundred and sixty-two game baseball season, it doesn't feel as special. Exactly. Yeah. But the NFL, I mean, they got games that get what YouTube has the red or the, the Sunday ticket rights now. And Amazon's got streaming at the Thursday games. Peacock's got a regular season game and a playoff game. You still got games all over the place. You know, like the Monday night games on ESPN, you got yep. NBC, CBS, Fox, like the games are all over the place. It used to be two channels back in my day, Chip, two channels. How long before they're playing on every night of the week? What they added the Black Friday game this year, right? That's the mm-hmm. that's the new one. I don't think I don't know that they'll. I could see. Do you I mean, put it past them? Do you put it past them? They already squeezed in. You know, they've squeezed into that kind of Saturday space where there's no college football games towards the end of the year. Squeezing yeah. into that Black Friday space. I don't. I don't know where else they can go. Like it's to like Tuesday. They will find a way. They could maybe Tuesday. play Tuesday. I don't You'll think, find a way to get on Tuesday. I don't think you could play on a Wednesday because that's too close to either Sunday. But yeah, they'll, we'll find, a we'll, they'll, they'll find, find, find a way. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Eventually, yeah. they'll find a way. Yeah. Well, we always find a way um, uh, to get to to get you some quality sports talk when Chip is on. Appreciate it as always, Chip. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Let's throw a couple of postscripts to my conversation with Chip Scoggins into the cooler. Number one, sounds like the Suns are interviewing a bunch of different coaches to replace Monty Williams, including Doc Rivers and Nick Nurse, all of those guys, coaches that we talked about with Chip Scoggins in terms of just the the high-profile coaches that have been fired this offseason. And, you know, Chris Finch not being in that profile yet, the Wolves not being good enough, strangely enough, maybe to make a coaching change yet. Um, it sounds like maybe a, a, an oxymoron or that, that's not something that would that would be logical. But um, you have to reach a certain level before you become disappointed with, you know, with with not quite reaching the the top. I don't think the Wolves are there yet. But like like Chip and I talked about a, a, an important year for uh, for Chris Finch and the Wolves this year. And we'll see where that winds up. And we'll see who the Suns ultimately end up adding. By the way, the Heat failed to uh, close out the number one seed Celtics. It's 3-1 in that series now after the Celtics won game four pretty handily in Miami. Watch out for that one because now they go back to Boston for game five. They get a little bit momentum going. It's never been done in the NBA that a, that a one or that a that a that a team has come back from a 3-0 deficit. But uh, a one versus an eight would be the uh, would be the uh, perhaps 
the uh, the the exception to that rule or the possible exception to that rule. We'll see if they can get another one in Game Five and really put a scare into Miami, which has to this point been on a dream postseason run. And like I said at the beginning, three of the Vikings' most important players not at voluntary workouts OTAs this week are Andrew Kramer reporting that he did not see Dalvin Cook, did not see Justin Jefferson, did not see Daniil Hunter on the field on uh, on Tuesday at uh, out at, at a TCO Performance Center in Egan. Now Dalvin Cook, Vikings trying to work out a trade for him perhaps still or work out some sort of restructure. Maybe that's a a long-term thing where that's not going we're not going to see much of him on the field in purple and that they're, they're trying to keep him away while that while that transpires. Jefferson sounds like it's more of an issue if he's just working out on his own right now. These are not mandatory workouts sounds like he'll be back in june once uh, once minicamp starts that's what kj osborne said maybe he'll, maybe he'll be here even sooner so not too worried about that one daniel hunter's the one that's interesting because i think he wants a new contract not being here sometimes that is a signal of displeasure with how much money you are going to make so let's watch the daniel hunter situation as the offseason goes along that will do it for me here today good stuff coming up on thursday and friday as well hope you have an great rest of your Wednesday beautiful days outside get out and enjoy the sunshine listen to this podcast always 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 take it with you that's what it's for we'll see you again on Thursday